0: From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is Earth Eats.
1: For me, it feels like we live in an age where you look on the news and it just feels like everything is going wrong. And so gardening feels like a small way we can have an actual tangible positive impact on the world around us. Like in a world where it's easy to feel like everything is just falling apart, it's a small way to actually see progress.
0: This week on the show, it's Back to School Part 2. We talk with high school students and educators about what their school gardens mean to them. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Earth Eats. I'm Kate Young. If you heard the episode featuring Kendall Slaughter and the Ag School in Springfield, Missouri, then you can think of this episode as part two. We talked a lot about what can be gained by bringing gardening, agriculture, and cooking to kids in a classroom. And I waxed on about my desire to see a garden in every school and school garden programs implemented and supported at the district level. In that episode, we were looking at an elementary school. This time we're moving to the high school level. We are again in Springfield, Missouri in the public school system, the one that has a farm to school coordinator to assist with school garden projects. They don't have a garden at every school, yet, but they do have one at Glendale High School where my friend Justine teaches biology. I stopped by on a spring afternoon when the sky was threatening rain. When I arrived, students were trickling out of the building and headed towards an area with all the signs of a school garden. Grounding the space is a substantial hoop house, or high tunnel structure, surrounded by raised beds planted with flowers and herbs and vegetables in various stages of growth. I noticed wooden plant markers with the words radishes or peas hand lettered in colorful paints across the front. The paths are lined with wood chips. A wire grid arches between two beds, waiting for climbing vines later in the season. The space is inviting and well cared for. Jobs,
2: okay? Justine soon joins the teenagers the and starts assigning
0: tasks to groups.
2: You got it? Come on over. Let's go ahead and pick our jobs.
1: Huh? They got signs.
2: Okay, you guys, this first bed right here, we brought lots oh, of flowers yeah. out. Hey, look, nice carrots.
3: They just like popped out. Did they I was trying to pull weeds yeah, and I grabbed so.
2: All right. Those are nice carrots. Yeah. We'll have to wash them and then see how they do. Even small carrots are really beautifully sweet you know so yeah absolutely so you guys we need to finish weeding this and then getting it planted i thought we would put some dahlias and some wildflowers out here anybody want to jump in on that task you guys last time you guys were working on was it that bed that one right there that one so we got that all planted yes So you can either, we have to finish weeding this bed and that bed. We can do this bed. Okay, you got it. This is our flower bed. So there's lots of flowers in the seed container over there. As
0: the students gathered around Justine for job assignments, someone noticed a spider crawling around okay. on a cinder block lining Evan one of the garden
2: beds. But not just any see? spider. Oh
0: this was black a black snow. widow. Whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. They like these Snapchat. cinder blocks. Get on Snapchat, guys.
0: I don't think I've ever seen one in real life. They're large, black, and shiny, with eight elegant legs and that notorious red bow shape stamped on their we have, underbelly. We
2: have oftentimes found black widows, um, but they've never it, but caused a problem. Where is it? It yeah. just uh, went down here. Whoa, 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 whoa. I gathered that there Justine
0: are, is used to interruptions and distractions, both really dramatic out. and mundane. Found a she rolled with the, the past venomous past spider sighting and carried on with the task at hand, which was so, getting some garden maintenance in before the storm gone. hit.
2: Okay, you guys are on window. wood chip duty, All right. the entrances need wood chip, and this entrance uh, right yeah, here yeah, behind yeah. that gate, okay. We also need a couple more loads of that finished compost over there. So why don't you get a, either the green wheelbarrow right. or the other one. And as they finish weeding right here, spread the compost as we go through.
3: All right. Okay. Let's get it, Kai. All
2: right.
0: The black widow was understandably a
2: serious distraction. Everyone wanted to see it. Clarice, it's right there. Oh my god. Black widow on like They mostly are really reclusive. I've never heard of anybody with like a black widow bite. Hold on, I want to in the Ozarks. They're so cool. reclusive. People are so scared of them, and yeah. they're actually just really they help control Scream. your insects. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. They're great. That's
1: really cool. That's
2: pretty big yeah. luck, widow.
1: Yes. You should come and see my garden. The finished compost. And we need to pick our lettuce, yeah. too. Okay. Because our lettuce is pretty big. Yeah. Oh, pretty good. Good.
2: So. We can either work on weeding that one bed. That bed right there needs to just finish up being weeded. If you'll just go and pull some weeds there, that would be good. Okay.
0: I wanted to see Kaylee inside, inside the, the high top which Justine
2: said had just been refurbished um, after more than 10 years of use. We went for 10 or 11 years with the same plastic on top. And so then... Impressive. I know, usually it's just rated for like four years. So we, last year though, we had like a super high wind and I came out here and it was just flapping in the wind. And so when I came out and saw that the wind had kind of the, the final big blast had had ripped a little and then it had caught and ripped more. It was like, you know, we got a lot of use out of that plastic. So we replaced the sidewalls last year and we replaced the plastic on top, but otherwise it has served us well since 2011. Amazing. She also informed me that this was her last season with the Glendale
0: Garden. Justine seems way too young for retirement, But having put in nearly 30 years of teaching, she is ready. As a result of her imminent departure, they aren't planting anything new in the high tunnel this spring. We headed inside to take a look at what remains from the winter season.
2: So we plant this and each student has like their own little plot. They put their name on the back of it. So we try and have it all planted by about Thanksgiving. And then we eat off of it through the winter. And then normally we would take everything up and have it replanted for spring by about March, like spring break. But I just let it grow this year. So they need to see things like spinach goes to seed, you know, and when you let kale go to seed, that's what it looks like. Partially it's a photo period, you know, like the days get a little bit longer and they go to seed but also they'll bolt when it gets too warm. So we talk about those things in the classroom. And a lot of this needs to be harvested and eaten. The students were all busy with their tasks.
0: One group was weeding a bed and prepping it for flowers. Another group was working on spiffing up the paths with added (laughs) wood chips. Justine introduced me to a student from Ukraine. His name is Ilya. Did you garden at home?
3: Yeah, of course, a lot. We had like uh, 10 greenhouses filled with tomatoes and stuff like that.
0: And that's with your family or with your school?
3: Yeah, no, that was a family business. Mm -hmm.
0: What kinds of things did you grow?
3: Uh, A lot, depends on the season, tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, radishes, uh, a lot of things. I just cannot say all things.
0: Do you feel like you, your skills work here as well? Like it's, it's a yeah. similar climate or a really different climate?
3: Uh, it's not really different. It's pretty similar, yeah.
0: Do you like being in the garden here at yeah. school?
3: Of course, of course. It's interesting. I learned a lot of new things. Yeah.
0: Can you say one thing you learned?
3: Teamwork is the best. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah. I really appreciate thank
3: you. it. You
0: too. After my chat with Ilya, it was time to start gathering the tools and wrapping up. The storm clouds were thickening, and the school day was almost over anyway.
2: Guys, I think it's gonna start raining, so let's go ahead and start cleaning up. Okay. Okay. What? This is just gonna blow over. What time does school end? Uh, three, three ten. Okay. So yeah, I'll I'll be right out.
4: Cool. Okay. See you later. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you.
0: I managed to make it back to my car before the downpour. It was an intense, but brief, spring thunderstorm. Later, I sat down with Justine in her backyard to hear more about her garden curriculum and how she got started with this work. Stay tuned for that conversation after a short break. Kate Young here. This is Earth Eats. We just paid a visit to a school garden program facilitated by my
2: guest, Justine Lines. My name is Justine Lines, and I live in Springfield, Missouri. I teach at Glendale High School, which is a part of the Springfield Public Schools. I teach science research and design ecology of the garden classes one and two and then I also teach a lot of health science classes so health science one two and three and I am a biologist I was lucky enough to join Justine in her
0: lush backyard on a cool spring day her husband Sam had fired up their outdoor brick oven for some homemade pizzas and her dogs were making mischief around the table on the patio I asked Justine about her school garden program at Glendale
2: and how she got started with this kind of teaching. I started teaching 29 years ago. For a long time I taught, I was the department chair of the largest high school in Springfield. I had, as things would go, 11 men on my science teaching faculty and I was the one woman. And so I worked really hard. I was the department chair. My daughter was going through high school and it was just a really busy time. And after she started her second year of college, I realized that I could maybe do some things that I wanted to do. So I quit the job of being the department chair and teaching in Springfield and I took a job in Costa Rica. And I went to Costa Rica, and I taught at Country Day School. It's the largest private high school in Central America. And I was their biology teacher. And so I taught AP Bio. I taught biology. I taught ecology. I was the biology teacher. And I loved being in that role so much. With the economic downturn in 2008,
0: Justine decided to head home to the States, to Springfield, to her home, and to her husband, Sam. She returned from Costa Rica with an overwhelming desire to share with her students the wonder of exploring the ecosystem that surrounds them.
2: For those of you who don't know, or if if you haven't heard, the Ozarks is a beautiful place. We have cobble-bottom streams. We live on an Ozark plateau that's made out of limestone, and it has karst topography, so we have lots of caves, and really pristine waterways. I love to go canoeing and hiking. And I used to take students on a camping trip or a hiking trip every quarter before I left for Costa Rica. And when I came back, all of a sudden, everything had changed. You could not take a student off the campus without clearing it through risk management.
0: Justine returned to a system of forms and permission slips and liability waivers that threw barriers in her path, preventing her from organizing the hiking and camping outings that she had enjoyed with students
2: in the past. And so I thought, if I can't take the students to nature, I'm going to bring nature to me. And one thing that's important in my past was that what really formed me as a biologist were trips to wilderness or trips where I would go and study nature and feel like I was really in connection with this understanding of nature. And so we would go to like the Wilson's Creek battlefield and we did nature studies out there. I did that for three years when I was in like middle school to high school and they impacted me so much. Like I just wanted to become a biologist to live that life. And I loved being in the field. And so I wanted to bring that back to the students that I taught. But if you can't take them on any special trips, you know, how do you do it? During that year when I came back, I, I told my principal, I said, if you see any special grants or anything that might be beneficial, like to form a school garden, let me know. And it, w- it just so happened that 2008 was the year that some friends of mine actually wrote the DIRT grant. So it's Dig in R12, the DIRT grant. And I It basically paid for five high schools to have a high tunnel and then five more schools to get raised beds. So I applied for it and I was the only high school in Springfield to get a dirt grant. So it paid for me to have a high tunnel and four raised beds, a shed, tools, wheelbarrows, and a little bit of curricular help. So we started with a big in-ground garden, and we started, my husband and Adam Millsap put up the high tunnel, and they put it in really well. And the next year, we started classes, and my principal let me offer a class, which filled three classes. So the first year, I had 90 students in the garden. And then every year, it was like more students and more students and more students came to the garden. And we wrote grants to bring elementary students to mentor with my students. And I felt just so good about that, even though I would say that I am not like a gardener extraordinaire, My original goal was to get kids outside to increase their knowledge of the outdoors. That's where biology takes place is outdoors. And so we did a succession garden. We took over spaces. I didn't ask permission for using some of the spaces. And when I built outdoor classroom spaces, people loved it. People bring their classes out. If you put three or four benches together, that's a classroom space. And so, by accenting it with like some native flowers, and then just having places where classes can come and gather, where students can read outside. You know, on those beautiful days when it just feels like torture to be inside, you bring your class outside, you do a reading, you do a writing, you do an art project. And I always invited everybody out to the garden. So other classrooms are able to use the spaces as well? Absolutely. In fact, we send little messages and email, hey, I'm going to be out in the outdoor classroom. We call it the mosaic classroom because we have nine big mosaics out there. So there's the mosaic outdoor classroom, there's under the tree classroom, there's, you know, the picnic table classroom. And then there's my garden space. And for a little while we had the stump classroom until the stumps kind of broke down. (laughs) So, but um, at any rate, it's just been a great way to get people outside. Mm -hmm. and to bring nature to them. And so that's why we're always making sure that whenever there's a chance to see butterflies or attract butterflies or pollinators, we talk about the importance of attracting pollinators. We look at things like, you know, we oftentimes have frogs or tree frogs, and that gives us a little caveat to start talking about amphibians. And I love compost, and so that biogeochemical cycling, which is the way that we attach it to the curriculum, those are the major instructional goals that we attach it to, but looking at that biogeochemical cycling, and then when you look at compost underneath dissecting scopes, you see all the life, you see all the funguses that move in, you see the bacteria, and then you see what feeds on them. And then you can identify all of the macro invertebrates that feed on the organisms that eat bacteria. And it's a little food web and a food chain that's happening right under our feet all the time. And so students just start to get this appreciation for nature. And we've planted the seed where they love nature. It's just you have to get outside and plant that seed. And so at at the same time too, there was a book called Last Child in the Woods. And I think that we also went to having Chromebooks and the kids started doing all their work online and their noses were just in these sort of darkly lit Chromebooks all the time. And they they, they didn't really like it. A lot of kids didn't really like it. And the chance to get outside and to be with people and to get away from screens was wanted by the kids. So that Last Child in the Woods book is all about, you know, the importance of getting kids outside. So all that was happening, you know, the zeitgeist of of that time. So I'm so glad that we had those experiences when we had them. So you're saying that you have
0: taken, have you taken... Like samples of compost and put them under the microscope or what do you call it? A dissectoscope. Dissecting Dissecting scope. You've done that?
2: Yes. That's one of my favorite things to do with students. We took soil from the compost pile and looked at it and you have never found so many worms, so many fungus mites, so many springtails. There were lots of, they call them wood lice or isopods. You know, we learned all kinds of things like isopods store their babies. They're actually marsupials. So you turn them upside down and there's little babies underneath. They carry their babies. And we found everything from like nematodes. We identified bad nematodes and good nematodes some predatory nematodes there's always lots and lots of millipedes and centipedes in our compost so yes we've and that's where you get the oohs and ahs from students is they're just amazed well that's what I was going to say is what must that
0: be like as just a learning experience to see this
2: whole ecosystem in you know a tablespoon of soil or something it's absolutely phenomenal. And you know, what, what's so great is we had in the high tunnel, we had all kinds of aphids that oftentimes are pests in a high tunnel. And you can see a plant and go and say, oh, look at this spinach. It looks so beautiful. But when you put it under the microscope, you can see lots of other things going on. So I had my students go and they were supposed to pick like 10 different leaves out of the high tunnel this spring and so we took them we took them inside and put them under a dissecting scope and the students realized oh my gosh there are aphids everywhere but they couldn't see them with their eyes you know mm. so then we tried to use natural pesticides so we used like neem oil and diatomaceous earth and we used mineral oil several different natural pesticides and ultimately the students saw that using some natural pesticides didn't hurt the plants and the plants were still edible afterwards. Well, you know, we looked at them today, you and I did today, and they were beautiful. And so it's just been such a great backdrop for so many great experiences. So I th- I really do believe that if you just create a space, people will come. The space is dictated by a love of nature, So we have bluebirds that come back every year, we have bluebird nesting boxes, and we've created a space for nature.
0: I asked Justine to reflect on her work in the garden at her high school, what it has meant to her, and any parting
2: thoughts. I think the best thing to do with any student or young person is to take their hand and get them out into nature and sit and visit with them have good experiences outside even if they don't want to go kind of find ways to go on a hike or to get out and enjoy a sunset share whatever you can and they will remember it and we just have to make the earth so important that they're willing to fight for it we have to make it more omnipresent in their lives nature has that great healing that goes on when you just spend time in nature and so i think that is my overall message
0: that was justine lines biologist and educator with springfield public schools in southwest missouri thank you so much for talking with me thank you kate We caught Justine at the tail end of her career as a public school teacher. She retired in the spring of 2023, but her legacy lives on through the garden at Glendale High School. Check our website for photos, eartheats.org. It's time for a short break. When we come back, we'll visit another SPS high school with a different model for their gardening program. Stay with us. This is Earth Eats, I'm Kate Young. This week, we're continuing our back-to-school theme, this time focusing on gardens in high schools. I had the chance to visit some programs in southern Missouri during a recent trip, including the gardens at Central High School. Central is the oldest high school in Springfield, built in 1893. The historic parts of the building still stand, along with some newer updates built over the years. The day I showed up, there was some kind of fire alarm system test going on, so you might hear ringing, hopefully in the distant background. Central High School has a garden club rather than a classroom curriculum. The club meets twice a week after school during the fall and spring semesters, and they meet weekly through the summer to care for the garden. The club is organized and run by two passionate science teachers. Those two dedicated faculty are Brandy Nelson and Paul Epps. When the program started, it was a club with an environmental focus called Green Team. Here's Paul.
5: My name is Paul Epps. And I'm a science teacher here at Central High School and the Central Botanical Society co-sponsor. So we had green team, Brandy and I had green team. And we did a lot of things like you know stream cleans and, and street adoptions and try to do recycling programs with mixed success. But we found us we had built one garden as part of that just part of the club and we just found ourselves always wanting to work in the garden not wanting to go pick up trash not wanting to recycle just wanted to work in the garden and so finally we were just like why don't we just make a gardening club let's do a gardening club and we'll let somebody else do the green team and so that's basically what happened Matter of that the herb garden there that was a original garden here at central but it was done by a, a special education teacher and he wanted to work with functional skills with kids. So he would start the garden, the seeds upstairs in the greenhouse, and then he would plant them out here and they would come out every day and take care of them. And so he had built that space. And when he left, he was like, do you want the space? And we're like, sure. And then we had to figure out what to do with it. And that was before the veggie beds and stuff. So we started veggies and it went okay, but we finally settled on herb here. And then our first one was the one on Benton with the arbor, the wooden arbor. And so that was our first garden. And, and again, we just sort of messed around and, and until it sort of became took the shape that it has now. Yeah. And yeah, but that's what started was it grew out of environmental club.
0: What kind of students are, are drawn to the garden club or how, how would you characterize the group?
5: That's an interesting question. And And sometimes I think it varies. So usually what happens is I offer extra credit towards the end of the year to come help us do a bunch of work in the garden like a work day and we did that last weekend and then people will come out and work that and then inevitably like a few four five six will kind of go i really like that that was fun i want to do more of that and so they join the club and then they'll drag along a friend or two or a sibling and then it kind of grows that way as far as like how to categorize them i i I don't know if I know. That I would argue that the majority are sort of our high flying kids. Students who achieve academically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that would be our average student. Now we but we have across the spectrum, right. Right? right? So which is what I like about it. And everybody tends to get along, so even if where they wouldn't normally really talk a lot in the halls, they'll talk out here, you know, which is kind of cool.
0: So I've seen a lot of school gardens, I've been involved in some, and I've never seen one that had quite so much going on. I mean, you've got bed after bed after bed, you've got, they're all perfectly mulched and they're irrigated, (laughs) they're irrigated, some of them are planted, like they're getting ready for the season. Like it's just, there's an orchard, there's an herb garden over here, and then this other kind of native garden over there. Like how in the world do you keep up with all that, or how do you... Reign yourself in from doing too much.
5: So Brandy reigns me in. I, I'll come up with an idea and I'll be like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And Brandy's like, we can't do that. We have too much on our plate. We can't do that. And she's kind of trained the students to tell me that too. And so usually when it, like, like we really haven't started anything new that I can think of for a while. We've been sort of refining spaces. So like the orchard space is also a berry patch. So right now what we're really doing over there is we're focusing on adding blueberries to the patch. And so we'll have blackberries, raspberries and blueberries. So it's more that instead of, oh, let's take that space over there that's empty and doesn't look great and turn into yet another garden.
0: Okay, Uh, but then how do you keep maintained what you have? Because I I just know how hard it is. How do you like, is it just because it's a weekly dedicated
4: thing?
5: It is that and it's year round. So people don't really think of it that way. So one thing that makes us different than I think a lot of school gardens is we come out every week, we have a group that meets of students, some are alumni, some are uh, current students, some are students that are coming to school as freshmen. Um, And then sometimes we'll get parents and, and teachers that have retired or teachers that still work here, but they all meet and we just work all morning and usually it's i'm I, usually it's just one day a week sometimes it's two in the summer but we'll do that and work all the time and then when school's in session we meet two days a week after oh, school okay. and so we work on it two days a week
0: and is that also through like the winter months yeah Are you doing absolutely stuff?
5: yeah because it, it seems like we've been able to grow for a long time like deep into the fall lately but we always have stuff to clean up we always have stuff to repair we always have stuff to start planning for the next time yeah,
0: the planning if you're doing it year-round yeah. that's great then yeah. you get the planning yeah. time
5: in. yeah and and we have a greenhouse on the roof that's heated and so we can start our starts up there
0: what do you think it brings to to people of, of this age group to be able to get out in the garden or, or what does it mean to you I guess <laughs> to work with them and do it here
5: oh I hate them no I'm just kidding I think so for them I mean you might have to ask them but I would I would I would argue for some of them, it gives them a sense of community, several of them. I think it gives them a real sense of community. It gives them a sense of ownership because Brandy and I, we cajole them into stuff and we double check them. But a lot of the stuff that's done is because they wanted to do it. And again, that that changes with the different years, right? But like a group we have right now that's about to graduate, they're phenomenal. And really they come tell me what they're doing I don't tell them what they're doing. And I just, we just make sure everything's you know okay to do. And we get the resources for them and we get out of their way, which is really how I think life should be managed, right? So they get to do that, but that gives them the ownership of it. So they're super proud of these gardens and they're protective of these gardens and they want the best for it, you know? And so they're willing to come out here when it's 90 degrees and they're willing to come out here when it's 30 degrees and they do all the work in between. And so that's for them is that. For me personally, I guess I look at it probably two ways. A little bit I look at it that maybe it's my legacy, like it's the thing I'm going to leave behind here, you know, someday. Which is the older I get, the more that becomes like a real thing. But then the other big thing, like today we went to another garden that's run by Springfield Community Gardens out on the south side of town. And I knew a bunch of the people there. Some of them have been students here and helped with us. Some of them... Um, but they're all these big professionals, you know, and it was great. And I realized that we were part of a big community. And in Springfield, we have a really, I would argue a very active community garden scene and a pretty good school garden scene, especially since Kendall's taken over. And, And it feels like a big community. And to know that we are a part of that community, an important part of that community, it just feels awesome. And, and I love that. It just, I like being part of that. And so I'd say overall, that's probably what I get out of it. Plus, you know, tomatoes. But
0: <laughs> Why do you like to grow food?
5: I, I see it as a little bit as like magic. I see it as definitely self-sufficient. There's something about being able to take care of myself. And even though I'm 55, you know, most of my students will say that I still struggle with that. And they're probably right. But this one thing I can... I can go out here and and if and I know that I can grow some food and then to see over time the soil getting better and the wildlife coming back to the to the area I mean we get all sorts of wildlife out here that we didn't have 10 years ago and when I see how happy other teachers are to be able to come out here and pick herbs or pick tomatoes or pick lettuce you know, it's pretty rewarding when they're like, really, I can take that? You know, that's pretty rewarding. And you feel like you're sort of contributing. You know, you're not just taking, you're giving. And that makes me feel great. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much.
5: Oh, it's my pleasure.
0: Paul's partner in crime at the Garden Club is Brandy Nelson. She took me on a tour of their many garden spaces surrounding the historic school building. Here's where you're gonna hear that fire alarm in the background. We walked past the garlic beds, the fruit trees, the high tunnel, and about 15 orderly raised beds, meticulously mulched with straw. We
4: have seven different garden spaces. The one way over there is we have like a native garden and then we have just kind of flowers. And then that was our first garden way over there. And then we have veggie one and we have veggie two. And the kids kind of just decide what they want to plant and design it themselves and kind of go from there. It's something different every year. Everything looks so so well tended. It's all mulched, it's got irrigation in every single bed. We just got the irrigation put in. So it's amazing. Yes. We have a great student crew as they follow along. You guys are amazing. And there's a lot that are very active that aren't here right now, but. This is a really cool school i like the building isn't it great it's really quiet over here yes this, is good. this might be good so oh this God, garden over here this was actually the first place there was a garden space but it wasn't ours there was a um, special education teacher here years ago and he started one little bed with his students to try to keep teach them some life skills and so he would come out here and it, he was mostly the one that tended it but he would bring his students And then when he was going to leave, he knew that we had started doing stuff in the greenhouse and over there, and so he was like, hey, do you want to take this over? And so that, I guess, really was the first garden, but it wasn't ours. And so anyway, and then last year we, uh, the students, and actually my husband came and helped because he knows how to do this kind of stuff with the bricks, he helped them and taught them how to, because it was just wood and it was all falling apart. So we put these more permanent structures in but this is our herb garden. How long have you been doing this? I've been at Central High School, this is my, the end of my 17th year. We, he and I were doing a club together called Green Team, which is the environmental club. And oh, through Green Team, we started do doing the gardens and we realized after building a couple gardens, this is more than just environmental. We need our own club just for gardening, because I don't think he and I realized what we were getting into, to be honest, with maintenance and, and care of gardens. And then when we kept expanding and expanding and expanding, we were like, okay, we have to stop at some point. I have to rein him in sometimes, because he's always like, what if we put a garden here? And I'm like, we have to stay with what we've got and maintain those. And so I would say Garden Club has been in existence for probably maybe eight to ten years.
0: That's amazing.
4: So... Yeah, I do know what it takes to run a school garden, and I can't believe how big this is. You guys must be, it must just really be a labor of love. It is a labor of love, definitely. But we also love the students, and so, and we love to see them learning and watching them once they grow stuff. And kids that have never done this ever, what they get out of it is nice. And some kids that this is where they meet their friends and so yeah
2: it's or it's
4: it's good for kids too that like to do things by themselves or like to work together because there's so much things in gardening that you can do by yourself and you don't have to have a partner or a group and that's how a lot of people prefer to work so
1: yeah
4: we've also been able to we have a partnership with the library here across the street oh cool because they have uh, there's a lady over there that's really big into herbs she knows everything you can need to know about herbs but she started the seed library over here um, that anybody can come and get seeds that they want and do seed swaps and things and so we try to save seeds for her for the uh, seed swap but we also our group volunteers when she needs help sorting the seeds and putting them in packages and labeling and all that and then on the days that they have the seed swaps Our group goes over on like whatever Saturday it is and helps her set that up and kind of organize and keep it clean while people go through and rummage through the seeds. And so our group has helped with that. There's a community garden that's not far from here, just a few blocks away. And we have helped with that. Sometimes they have an event where they invite the public and they have some kid activities and different things. And our group comes and helps basically just with the organization and design, not the design, organizing it that day and setting it up and keeping things running smoothly. So the kids have gotten some volunteer opportunities outside of the school that way. Thankfully, we moved back away
0: from the persistent fire alarm bell towards a garden on the edge of a busy road on the other side of Central High School's campus. It was marked by a Wood Arbor-like structure fitted with benches seem like a pleasant place to rest while waiting for a ride after school, or a nice spot to land to get ready for the school day.
4: So that side of the garden is almost all native Missouri shrubs and plants. We have put a few things in there just to make it a little bit with some color that Uh aren't native, but for the most part everything over there is native. And it'll be so full you know, in a couple months to the point that we have to cut back those trees a few times wow and then this we i have planted so many perennials in here and what i think happens is because every year we have so many new kids coming through when we tell them to go out there and weed they think that it's a weed and it's not a weed and so because you know some of those native plants you can't really tell and that's just the risk you
0: run with gardening with
4: with young people or anybody yes. really. <laughs> so this big hole that's right here, the grass that's growing back there used to be right here and so we moved it back because uh-huh. it was so big and in the front. Uh-huh. And so thankfully it survived. So it's coming back, uh, back there. But we gotta figure out what we're gonna do with this hole. I'm partial to this garden just I think because it was our first one and I still remember the day that we had asked for permission to do it. But at the principal at the time, I don't think he really realized that we were just going to pull up a dump truck and dump a big pile of dirt and just go. Because we kind of just, that's what we did and just went with with the flow and so. Well, it's really beautiful too. It just feels like a a really intentional space and it has this little seating, which is gorgeous. And we love it that when we see so many kids out here using the space and we were worried at first, like, are they going to tear it up? Will this get destroyed? Because, you know, kids are kids. Also, we have a big transient popla- population around here, so you just never know. But this structure and that structure back there have been here for years, and they're fine. The only thing that's wrong with them is you just have to do some repairs every once in a while. Yeah. We eventually, hopefully soon, have a goal of putting rooftop gardens, like succulent gardens, oh. on top of those. So... And we did the um, chalkboard, hoping that uh, teachers could bring small classes out here, which we know teachers have, and if they want to use the chalkboard, they can, so.
0: Before I left for the day, a few of the student members were kind enough to talk with me. I asked them what Garden Club means to them.
1: I guess, for me, it feels like we live in an age where you look on the news and it just feels like everything is going wrong. And so gardening feels like a small way we can have an actual, tangible, positive impact on the world around us. Like in a world where it's easy to feel like everything is just falling apart, it's a small way to actually see progress.
0: How does it make you feel when you're in the garden?
1: More stable, (laughs) I guess is the easiest way to put it. Like, I'm just getting physical work done helps me feel more grounded in reality and less overwhelmed and angry and suppressed thank you can you tell me your name my name is Sophie thank you Sophie it's a great way to escape from like the stress of school and everything going on around us because you just get so caught up in the labor and then at the end of the day you're like oh I have these pretty flowers that I get to look at look at all my hard work it's paid off
0: do you like growing food do you
1: like harvesting food or herbs I'm more into the maintenance. I love working on all the, like, building projects around and helping with weeding and everything, just, and watering.
0: That's important. Most people just want the reward. (laughs) That's great. Thank you. Can you tell me your name? I'm
1: Erin, Erin Nelson.
0: Next, I asked a student named Elise.
6: What did you want me to say? Oh, just, um...
0: How do you feel when you're out in the garden and or why do you participate in the Garden Club?
6: Garden Club's really nice because we all work together as a team and it's really nice to also get like fresh (laughs) produce and veggies and fruit and herbs to take home. That's something that I really like, especially in the summer, we get to take home all of our produce. And so it's like direct access to fresh foods and produce. And then we also get to learn about agriculture but also all my friends are in garden clubs. So it's kind of like a fun way to have an outlet together that we can all work together to do what we want to do. And we also get to, they give us a lot of freedom here. It's a, there's teachers involved, but they let us pick what we want in the gardens, which I think is really important to us because we get a lot of trust. And with that, we get to make something and put effort and make the school, like a part of the school,
1: something we want. Yeah, it's been a big source of community for all of us. I think.
0: What are some of your favorite things that you've grown here?
6: Um, I mostly do the orchard stuff, so I really loved the blackberries, and we even got a few peaches off our peach tree, so that was good. And then like we just grow so much stuff, like the asparagus and the tomatoes. And last year, that cucumbers were we did really good. So I love cucumbers and like figs. So. Yeah. Wow, a lot of good stuff. We got a singular watermelon, <laughs> a watermelon
1: last year. The singular
6: watermelon was pretty good. It was tiny and it was small, but we got one. We heard the voices
0: of three students in the garden club at Central High School. Sophie, Aaron, and Elise. That's probably all the evidence you need for the power of programs like these. In addition to the contact with nature and learning about growing things and having the chance to taste freshly picked garden produce, the students are also experiencing the calming, grounding effects of working outside with plants, the satisfaction, the sense of accomplishment, and the feeling that they're making a positive contribution in the world. They are also connecting with each other and working together towards shared goals. Okay. Okay, I've made my case. I'd love to hear your thoughts about school gardens. Did you have one at your school growing up? Are you participating in one now? What do you think they bring to the educational environment? And does it make sense to devote precious and limited resources towards gardens in our public schools? Drop us a line, eartheats at gmail.com or leave us a message on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Eartheats. And as always, our website, eartheats.org. Dear Earth Eats listeners, Yes, I'm talking to you with your radio tuned to WFIU or this episode downloaded into your podcast playlist. Thank you for tuning in. I want to invite you to consider subscribing to the Earth Eats Digest. It's a short newsletter I put out every two weeks. I write a little something at the beginning, usually about the current season and what might be growing or what sounds good to eat. Maybe I'll touch on some larger issue in the food world. It's usually along the lines of a short personal essay. The newsletter also includes a hand-picked selection of recipe links that take you directly to the Earth Eats archive found on our website, and then I'll mention what's coming up on the show or what you might have just missed the previous week And I announce any special events or things that might be of interest to listeners. There's always plenty of photos and links to make it easy to find out more about anything that piques your interest. The newsletter is called the Earth Eats Digest. It's free, and it's easy to sign up. If you go to eartheats.org, you'll see a pale green rectangle to the right of the page that says, Stay in touch with Earth Eats. Just click on that and you'll be signed up in no time. I never send an email more than once every two weeks and we won't sell your data or your email address to anyone else or try to get you to sign up for a paid subscription. There is no paid version of the Earth Eats Digest. It's all free. I look forward to connecting with you more. Go to eartheats.org to subscribe. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Earth Eats team includes Violet Barron, Ayoban Binder, Alex Chambers, Mark Chilla, Toby Foster, Daniela Richardson, Samantha Schemenauer, Peyton Whaley, and Harvest Public Media. Special thanks this week to Justine Lines, Brandi Nelson, Paul Epps, Sophie, Aaron, Elise, and everyone at Central High School's Garden Club and the Garden at Glendale High School. The show is produced and edited by me, Kate Young. Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Additional music on the show comes to us from Universal Production Music.